Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello and welcome back to the second in our little series of garden design and how to do it with the plotting shed. Thank you very much for joining me wherever you are. I hope you've had a lovely week. I'm trying to concentrate on the practicalities of making a garden, what it actually means and what you need to think of. Because having spoken to lots of customers now over the years, that's the bit that's missing. It's The bit that, you know, you look at Pinterest and see all these beautiful gardens. You look at books and magazines and see beautiful, fabulous, expensive, perfect, manicured, not a leaf out of place gardens. You see on all the television programmes and they're getting more and more extraordinarily expensive with wonderful looking ideas and things that they're putting in the garden, which visually look fabulous. I'm a little less convinced about how long-term sensible these things are. This is why I'm doing this particular series of podcasting. I am trying to help you jump that gap between seeing those images and working out how you can do and what you can do in your garden. Because like anything, we can't take what we see on the television. It's just too expensive and not practical, but you've still got the same problems in your garden they've just used a lot more money and a lot of expensive design and plants to to solve the problem and we've got to find a solution on a more moderate sensible practical level so this week I was trying to think of a definition of family friendly gardens and how we I could help you work out what you need to solve and what you need to think about in order to make a garden that's good for you and good for the children on top of the practical problems that most many gardeners have now is that gardens are getting much much smaller you don't have a great deal of space can the two coexist and if they are going to coexist how do you make it happen The definition of a family-friendly garden, or what seems to be the outcome of somebody creating a family-friendly garden, is a big open lawn space, which will contain one of the following, football goal, slide, or swing stroke small climbing frame. Because if I put one of those in the garden, then the kids will enjoy playing on it. And yes, I'm sure they will, But is that really the best possible use? There's also, of course, the ubiquitous trampoline that we see in a lot of gardens as well, which are even harder to try and fit into a plan. Now, my viewpoint is, as always, that we start from the end and we work back. So we have to work out 
what it is we're trying to achieve. And I simply don't agree or get the fact that if I put toys in the garden, the children are going to be out there all the time happily playing. And I will be out there enjoying it because let's face it, sitting in your patio, staring out to a plastic climbing frame or the swing with a load of mud underneath it where the kids have scuffed the grounds with their feet and the grass has disappeared, saps your enjoyment of the garden. Even though the kids are playing in it, it just becomes like an outdoor space. And, and I think we can do better than that. And I think you can create something better than that. So what would I do and how would I go about it? Well, the first thing is I think you need to consider that gardens adapt and change over time, especially if you have a family. That what is suitable for tiny people will not be beneficial for little people and certainly probably won't encourage teenagers or young adults to go out in the garden. So the way that you make the garden work for all of you is you sit there and think, not what can we put in the garden the children can play with, it's what as a family do we like doing best in the garden? And you work on that rather than putting everything else in. So if we take smallest people, for example, obviously you have to create a garden that is safe but it's so easy just to create a sanitised and boring garden. And then we put colourful things in it to try and entice the children in. And we give them a big lawn, but it doesn't make anything of a garden. It's just a big open space with a climbing frame on it. No matter how small the garden is, you have to think of it in zones. There has to be the children's zone and there has to be your zone. And there has to be a barrier or some sort of differential between the two. Which means that the children can have an area that you are less precious about in terms of the wear and tear of it. But your area, you can make it that little enclave of sanctuary and, and prettiness that you like because it's protected from the other side. So how do you do that? Well, the most simplest way is to use some form of a screen. But what you don't want to do is a great big thick barrier. Screens don't have to be hard and solid and immovable to be a screen. There are some new uh, Perspex screens which you can give that they're sort of so they're semi-clear but give you some colour which will give a little bit of extra interest in the garden. You can use pergolas so that you have to walk from one side through a gap into the into the other area. You can use tall grasses that will create a screen and a football barrier from your side of the garden, but that will still add and have movement. And in the children's area, one of the key elements, and if we're going to make a garden that they're going to want to be in, we have to start to think like a child and not think like an adult providing stuff for the child. What do young kids like to do? They like to roll, climb, run, jump, hide in things, be concealed from things. They like to touch, smell, sniff, interact, look, watch, get dirty, get muddy and not worry so much that 
they might be breaking something or damaging something. Because this is the other side of, of garden design, that in the last 10 years, there's, there's just this, been this movement to create the, these perfect images of the gardeners outside. We're spending so much money that the children begin to become restricted because it's, oh, don't do that, you'll damage this. Don't do that, you'll, you'll break that. Please mind the flowers, don't kick the football. Don't hit, the, don't hit the fence with the football. You know, we put all these barriers on and all of a sudden the outside space that you have just becomes the same as the sitting room and they, they're restricted in what they can do. So I think by zoning things off and giving yourself two areas or some form of a barrier to, to differentiate myself from one to the other and let the other side be what the children might like. Now, I know you're thinking, yeah, well, climbing frames are great and, and, and slides are good fun. And yes, they are. But what I'm thinking is whether there is a way that you can be a little more inventive in order that we can create a better environment. For example, lawns. Now, lawns are lovely and we spend a lot of time and care and attention on lawns. But I'm sure you know, um, if you've listened to me in the past, that lawns are a lot of work. They take a lot of maintenance. They aren't particularly environmentally friendly. And it's a sort of a historical throwback to have this pristine lawn. But you've got to ask yourself this, what do I need a pristine lawn for with the kids? Now, if you had a certain area that you allowed the grass to go a little more unkempt, or it was seeded with some daisies or some different colour flowers or some different grass seed heads. Does the lawn also have to be flat? Can you not make little bumps and hummocks in this rough lawn, for example, that can put a plank on that can be a little ramp for small children. They can drive, you know, run their cars down the ramp or for bigger children, they can use a scooter to go down that little ramped area. If we have a slide, for example, and you had a shed or a sufficiently robust tree, why do we have to have a standalone slide? Could we not dovetail the two and find a way that the children can use the shed to get onto the slide to slide down? Now it's a little more dangerous, but it also makes it a little more exciting. Can the slide be fixed to the tree so they have to climb the tree a little bit to get down the slide? It's not about how much money we're spending on putting things in the garden for the kids. It's how much enjoyment you think they will get from that. Spending £500 on a climbing frame will not necessarily yield in fun factor what you're expecting if you haven't asked the kids what it is they need. It may be that the cobbled together treehouse or slightly off the ground den that you can make them in that corner made out of bits and bobs and recycled stuff has more imaginative fun in it than the perfectly built wooden castle that they get. I designed a, kitchen, a garden a couple of years ago for a customer who had a very long narrow garden and one of the things that she wanted to put in her garden was a mud kitchen and I thought what a brilliant idea she'd got young children aged I think four and six 
And so she gave them a space in the garden specifically where they could make a mess. They could pour water onto the ground to create muddy puddles. They could make mud pie and, and, and pots and all those sorts of things. It didn't matter that they dug holes in the ground, messed up the area in that particular space because she had zoned off that part of the garden for the children so that they could do with it what they wanted. Now you could always add to it, for example, in that particular area, if you've got that zone off, why don't you make paint the fence a really wacky, interesting color? Give it stripes, give it different colors. It doesn't all have to be perfectly matched. And this is what I'm trying to get across. We focus too much on the aesthetics. We focus too much on the design and delivery. We believe that if we spend X, Y, Z in the garden and put in this, that and the other, that will make it better. Now, it will have some value and it will add, of course, but I just don't think it will add the value that you need. On top of which, Gardens have to adapt. So what might be right now for the children aged three, four, five, six and seven is not necessarily going to be right for them at 10, 11 and 12 and 13, where their tastes and things will change. So if you've spent an utter fortune on this massive big climbing frame that costs you six, seven, eight hundred pounds, it's going to stay in the garden for a lot longer than it will have be used. Though teenagers, for example, and older adults, gardens become then a place it's hard to attract and entice them into because they're far more concerned about what they've got on their screens in front of them or computer games. So the problem there is how do you get them in the garden away from their screens and phones and everything else to be outside and get some sunshine? Well, probably you don't. But if the place that they can sit outside then you reduce the barrier for them going outside and, and being out in the fresh air. So there are some of these sort of cocoon hammocks and there are various things that you can have in the garden that older generations might like might use. Again, a, an example would be this. You have some smaller children and you think it would be great to have a swing in the garden. But you've also got a teenager why not invest in a nice swing seat which you might find that the teenager will use but the small person can also use it might not be as big a swing but it still swings you potentially could build a pergola under which you can hang a hammock or you can hang one of these cocoon swings which can be put away when it's wet and easily got out when it's when it's nice sunny weather. So again, the pergola will double up. It has a dual purpose, but you're not creating a purely child's piece of equipment. You're creating a piece of equipment and something that you can enjoy in the garden and that your young people can enjoy as well. Water is a big one. All kids love playing with water. The ability for you to have a water slide along the grass it doesn't then matter that the lawn's not perfect. You know, you can still put a water slide on, on a rough mown grass and the kids can go flying along and, and sliding. They will get 
all the fun and enjoyment out of that. When you're thinking about a family-friendly garden space, there are some key points that you need to consider. That it's not the equipment that you're putting in that will make it a fun place for the children to be in. Think of it being multi-purpose and dual function. Look at the minimum spend. Can you create a slide or the effect of a slide without having to buy one? Because then you've got to get rid of it. You know, big plastic children's toys in the garden are a bit of a pain because you can't store them anywhere. So would a slide along the grass be as effective as a slide, a conventional climb up the steps slide? Can the slide that you make have a ladder attached to the side of the shed and they step into the slide and slide down, but you can unhook the slide and put it away to give yourself some adult space when you need it? Make sure you zone off at one part of the garden, which is the nicest place you enjoy sitting. Screen it off, it gives you a little bit of protection. But also by screening it off, it means that the children can use their part of the garden without being completely under the gaze of mum and dad. Think like a child. What would you enjoy doing in the garden if you were seven years old or 10 years old? And it's not just kicking a football about because in a small garden, they can't kick a football about particularly brilliantly anyway, but maybe there is a different way that you can get a football kicked around, that you can get these sort of ones on the ropes and things like this. So you've just got to start thinking, I you know, maximising my lawn space is not going to maximise the children's play space if everything around the edge is something that will be damaged or the ball will go over the fence to next door. So if you can't do it and you're restricted by the confines of your garden anyway, ditch that approach as an idea and think, what could we do instead? Could there be ropes they can climb up instead of swing on because I haven't got swing space? Is there a den I can create? If I have a shed, is there a way that we could use part of the shed as a playhouse and part of it as the shed to put the lawnmower in, but we can make it somewhere the kids can hide away? So I think just, just being a little bit more imaginative and less precious about it being perfect because the perfect family-friendly garden is one that the family enjoy together. It's not the one that looks perfectly like a family-friendly garden. It's a subtle difference, but it's quite an important one. Throw away that visual image of some expensive garden toy. Space to play Jenga in the garden with your family. Space to have a water pistol fight space to have a small tire swing or equivalent just a little tiny swirly in a circle type swing might be more fun than the conventional toys that you fit into the garden and then the rest of the garden is is curtailed because those things are there you can't do anything with it so in terms of planting think of the five senses 
everything you put in the garden and everything you plant needs to have one of the five senses or at least two of the five senses stimulated. So think sound, think touch. If you touch a plant, does it release a scent? Is the, can the children pick the flowers without you worrying about them too much? Because they, they like doing that. Can they make petal pictures with these flowers? Do they attract the butterflies? Do they have bees? Is there somewhere you can attract dragonflies or moths? Can you get bats into the garden? All of these things will give the children interest. And don't forget, fairies live in the gardens as well. So if the children think there might be a fairy or something like this, they can make fairy coins. It's all about building imagination. And it's something I think as parents, because of the commercialization of the world around us, that we, we get duped into thinking, I've got to show how much I love my children by spending lots of money and providing stuff for them. And it just isn't the case. And I think if we bring it back down and you think like a child and think what you would have enjoyed doing in the garden that you stopped that you weren't allowed to do, your children will probably still want to do the same sort of thing. And that, for me, will make it then a family-friendly garden. And so what if their bit is a bit untidy and a bit messy? As long as you can sit in your bit and it's got some nice plants and you can relax and you can enjoy that little bit of the space yourself, doesn't matter what's the other side of the barrier if the kids are having a great time. Because they'll grow up and they'll move on and then you can change that part of the garden to something that will suit you. So I hope this wasn't too much of a sort of a designer's rant on things because I can't give you exact specifics. What I'm trying to do is to give you that confidence that you can just go, yeah, I don't have to be conventional anymore because unconventional may be far, far better for my children and we will enjoy the garden more together and ultimately that's what we're all after next week we're going to talk about your first ever garden if it's your first one what do you do and how do you even think about it and what do you start off doing when it's literally you are a complete novice and you've finally acquired an outside space all of your own how exciting so we're going to see about what we can do to get you off and start you in on the right footing so that you get a garden that you love. But in the meantime, do please subscribe to The Plotting Shed. Do have a look at the links on the, the show notes so you can go back onto my website. Do tell me what you think. I'd love to hear. Do drop me a line, rachel at plantplots.com, and I will see you all next week. Thank you very much for listening. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look. And please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.